Well, good morning, church and friends and guests. The Lord be with you. Special welcome to you, the brave ones who are here in person in the sanctuary. Maybe you got here by skis or snowmobile. And also special welcome to those who may have stayed cozy warm at home and are joining us online. Today is a day of worship. Today is a day of confirmation, which you'll learn about a little bit more in a minute. Today is a new beginning. Every Sunday, a resurrection day. And today is another day in ordinary time. And so we gather to worship. Perhaps you've heard it said that when we gather and worship together like this, we are actually joining in with something that is going on beyond us, the people of God and the angels gathered in the kingdom of the heavens, something that is already happening and that we get to join into. So this is not at all something just ho-hum, ordinary, daily mundane. When we worship, we join into the choruses of the heavens. In fact, John... The seer, the one who authored the book of Revelation, uh, paints a picture for us, and I want you to hear it this morning as our summons to worship. Revelation chapter 4, starting at verse 2, where it says this, At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and of ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face of a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings, day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders would fall down before him who sits on the throne and they would worship they would lay down their, their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Friends, today we join into that great worship that's going on in the kingdom of the ages. So I invite you to stand and we'll sing together, Holy, Holy, Holy.
words that Jesus taught us to pray. They're on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. <laughs> this morning is Confirmation Sunday here at Fellowship, so I would like to invite our Confirmation students up front. And as they walk up, I'll just say, in this conf in, through Confirmation, uh, we, make, we are confirming the promises that we make at baptism. As a community, we promise uh, to help raise these students in the faith. We pr pray to assist what God is doing in their lives and this morning in confirmation, they are confirming that their faith is their own, that they are going public with their faith. Uh, so we have these nine students who through a process of the confirmation class where they both went, they heard a number of speakers talking different topics like Trinity and what is the church and what are sacraments, as well as meeting with mentors and developing a project uh, to talk about how can the church serve the community and then finally, this past week, meeting with the elders, uh, we've put them through the ringer and they're all still here. Uh, <laughs> but this has been a joy, this class has been a joy to be with, and I know that God is doing great things in their lives. I'm going to introduce them to you. We're going to go down the line alphabetically, and I'm going to do that by reading off their baptism date. Jackson Cano, you were baptized on September 28, 2008. Ava Devaney, you were baptized on November 9, 2008. Cameron DeVries, you were baptized on March 30, 2008. Jabin Dealman, you were baptized on June 15, 2008. Xander Engelsman, you were baptized on May 11, 2008. Eliana Heisman, you were baptized on December 7, 2008. Andrew McMichael, you were baptized on May 11, 2008. Lydia Vanderweg, you were baptized on April 27, 2008. And Piper Whitvoet, you were baptized on October 3, 2010. Yeah. And friends, um, on the day of your baptism, your families, your parents took, made promises um, before God and before the congregation. And this morning, you get to make those promises your own. Um, and, we, and you get to profess your faith. And so I'm gonna ask you some questions um, and the answers to those, even though I know they're written on your hearts, but just in case you've forgotten, the answers to those will also be on the screen there. Uh, so first, uh, do you renounce sin and the power of evil in your life and in the world? Yeah. Uh, and who is your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ is Good answer. Uh, will you be a faithful member of this congregation and through worship and service seek to advance God's promises here and throughout the world? And last question, do you promise to accept the spiritual guidance of the church to walk in a spirit of Christian love with this congregation and to seek those things that make for unity, purity, and peace? Awesome. Uh, and just like years ago at their baptism, the congregation joined in the promises uh, with their families today. We ask you to join in those promises again. So I'll have you stand. 
Um, and you will read the words on the screen with me. Uh, so, as the congregation of Fellowship Church, we promise to love, encourage, and support these brothers and sisters by extending God's love, by being an example of Christian faith and character, and by giving the strong support of God's family and fellowship, prayer, and service. Students, welcome to the family. Yeah. So at this time, make sure you guys may be seated. Yes. But I'd like to invite, <laughs> I'd like to invite parents and mentors, if you could come up uh, as well, because we are going to pray for these students. We're going to do that in groups of three. Again, we're inviting the parents up. I said in the first service, uh, we have a little bit of a holy mess uh, as we all get on stage, but how great of a gift is that to have this many people up on stage celebrating today? So we're going to pray for you each in groups of three. So first, I'm going to invite Jackson, Ava, and Cameron, and your parents and mentors, up to the kneeling benches. congregation, I invite you to pray this with me. Jackson, Ava, and Cameron, you each are a child of God, a recipient of the covenant, saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and marked as God's own forever. So defend, O Lord, your servants, Jackson, Ava, and Cameron, with your heavenly grace, that they may be continually yours and daily increase in your spirit more and more until they come to your eternal kingdom through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All right, you three can step back, and then I invite Jabin, Xander, and Eliana to come up to the benches. Uh, would you pray with me? Jabin, Xander, and Eliana, you are each a child of God a recipient of the covenant, saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and marked as God's own forever. So defend, O Lord, your servants, Jabin, Xander, and Eliana, with your heavenly grace, that they may be continually yours and daily increase in your spirit more and more until they come to your eternal kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May I step back? All right, and finally, we invite Andrew, Lydia, and Piper to come forward. Will you pray with me? Andrew, Lydia, and Piper, you are each a child of God, a recipient of the covenant saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as God's own forever. So defend, O Lord, your servants, Andrew, Lydia, and Piper with your heavenly grace, that they may continually be yours and daily increase in your spirit more and more until they come to your eternal kingdom through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I now invite you all to stand again, and I, we're going to say the, uh, the Apostles' Creed responsively. I will read the one and invite you all to join us on the all. Do you believe in God the Father? We believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? We believe in Jesus Christ. 
God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God the Holy Spirit? Sisters in Christ Fellowship Church, uh, we please join me in welcoming the newest professing members of our church. It is because of the life, um, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we all have peace with God and peace with one another. The peace of Christ be with you. Um, I invite you, especially this morning of all mornings, to um, exchange the sign of peace with one another and specifically with um, our newest professing members and their families as a sign of our covenant with them. Peace. Good morning, Fellowship Church, and we can say welcome back, Winter. Isn't it nice to have January back in Michigan, everybody? Uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. I got, in the first service, I got a, mm-mm, no, no, we don't want this snow. Uh, there's a little more enthusiasm here uh, at the second service, apparently. My name is Nate Skipper, and I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship Church, where our mission is to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. If you are new or visiting with us, welcome. We're glad you're here, especially a hearty welcome to all of you that are with us for this Confirmation Sunday morning. We're grateful uh, that you could join us in celebrating these students. If you would like to make yourself known or learn more about the ministry that God is doing at Fellowship, there's some connection cards uh, at the back of the sanctuary and at the Welcome Center that you can fill out to make yourself known with, to us. Um, and if you are like, come on, I want get, to get, be a part of this good stuff that God's doing here at Fellowship, and you want to learn more about what it might be like to do that officially, uh, we actually have a Discover Fellowship uh, Cafe class thing Today, right after this service, uh, you can join us for lunch uh, in the N5 if you want to. Speaking of lunch, uh, not just for those that are interested in that, but everybody uh, can have a, a lunch next week as we go from uh, the communion table to the lunch table uh, following the second service next week. We'd love to have you join us uh, for that kind of celebration, both in, in worship, but also uh, in fellowship together. Speaking of food, Bryce, you got some good stuff coming up too for food, right? Or other things maybe? Yep. So 
Next week is the regular, regular table to table. That's mm -hmm. a meal. But a month from now, uh, on March 5, our next table to table is also going to be our fundraiser for our youth group summer trips. So that's going to be both the high school trip, which is out to Colorado to Rocky Mountain High, and our middle school trips, which are happening this summer as well. Uh, part of this, we're bringing it back. It's been a few years since we've done an auction raffle style uh, fundraiser, which is what we're bringing back. And a couple ways you can be involved in that. One, we'll invite you again in a month and you can come to it and participate. But I'm bringing it up today because if you're someone we uh, have benefited from the congregation also being involved by donating items. So some people have done dinners at their houses. Some people have done weekends at cabins. I said in the first service, Nate might buy a cabin just so he can donate it. He's that yeah. invested. Come on. He's that invested in the youth. Uh, but Bryce, I got something for you. Yeah. I got some stuff in the back of my trunk that I was going to bring to the thrift store. Maybe I can bring them to you and then you can auction them off. I mean, used clothes from Nate Skipper, what's better? And I would say we can bless others in the community with that. Oh. But maybe not this fundraiser. We used to do a garage sale. This is not that. This is a different type of fundraiser. So those can go to other great organizations so in the Becca's city. So Becca's birthday is in like a month or so. This would be a good opportunity to, to buy some presents for her. <laughs> good uh, stuff is what you're, I'm saying. Yes, you're going to have stuff. some good, good stuff. stuff at the auction. Is and what also... Don't throw me off, Nate. We're trying to do a good announcement. <laughs> the, uh, before, I, before Nate did, completely derails it and I lose it, uh, one, one more announcement with that. Uh, we have a great group already signed up for Rocky Mountain High. If you're a high schooler and you would still like to sign up, you can. That, those signups are still going for a couple more weeks. And today, our team is meeting. So if, you would, if you're interested in being a part of the team, uh, we have two meetings today. They're identical, so you can just choose one or the other. One will be right after this service in the Youth Center, and the other is tonight, right at the beginning of HSM at 6 o'clock. So if you're going to Rocky, we'll see you there at one of those meetings. But if you're interested, uh, join us and hear more. Great. Thank you, Bryce. Uh, what a cool thing to have so many great opportunities for our high school and middle school students to take part uh, in this summer, and what a cool way for us as a community to support that. Speaking of meetings, we have lots of meetings around here, apparently, because not only do we have the Discover Fellowship after this service, but there's also an opportunity if you want to learn more about what leadership at Fellowship looks like, especially through our consistory. Some of the folks from the nominations team are hosting a little meeting. If you just want to ask questions or learn a little bit more about what it would be like to serve on the consistory here at Fellowship, we're in the midst of our nominations process. Maybe you've already been nominated. Regardless, you're invited to join the nominations team in the open office here following the service. At this time, uh, student children uh, ages uh, up through fifth grade uh, are invited to go uh, to their places of worship and learning, uh, and the rest of us will stand as we join our hearts in worship and prepare for God's word for us this morning.
Well, friends, today is a great day, not only because we are celebrating God's faithfulness, which we have seen through the promises of baptism and stirring up faith in our students this morning, but it's also a great day because we have a guest preacher this morning, and I do quotes on guests because she's hardly a guest at all here. You probably already know her or at least recognize her. This is the Reverend Dr. Susan McDonald, and she usually sits right over here by her parents, and uh, unless she is called to duty elsewhere, uh, preaching at other churches or even teaching theology to young life leaders, which are among the other things that she does. I, as a person, have the highest respect for her and am grateful to be able to be serving in ministry with her. A few things that you may not know about her, even if you already do know her, two of them. One is that most of her education is from overseas, okay? So she has been educated at the University of Western Australia, University of Oxford, University of Cambridge, and the University of St. Andrews. Pretty cool. Uh, Second thing you may or may not know about her is that she's currently serving right here in town at Western Theological Seminary. She is the professor professor of systematic and historical theology, okay? Uh, What's really rare about her, however, is that she is not only utterly brilliant, but she's also completely delightful as a person. And I am, <laughs> I am grateful for all that God has made her to be by nature and by grace. And I'm eager to hear the word of the Lord through her with you this morning. So would you give a warm fellowship welcome to the Reverend Dr. Suzanne McDonald. Thank you so much. Um, I was just thinking about that and that list of degrees, and I guess one of the things it will explain to you is my funny accent, which is Australian and English all mixed into one. And it is a joy to be with you in this kind of a way this morning. And as many of you know, we're in the midst of a sermon series right now, going through Matthew's Gospel with a particular emphasis on Jesus as teacher. As Pastor Ross mentioned a few weeks ago now when we we launched this sermon series, Matthew's Gospel has five huge teaching chunks in it. Um, And this Sunday, we're continuing to think about the most famous one of all, I think, the Sermon on the Mount. We started that last week with Pastor Nate, who was showing us how the Beatitudes at the beginning of Matthew chapter five, um, give us a kind of framework uh, for the whole of Jesus's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount and a lens to see things from God's perspective. Uh, which in many ways turns our usual ways of thinking upside down. And we will very much see that in action, so to speak, in our text, which is Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. Although if you are following along, a little bit of a heads up that I won't be reading quite all of the verses. Um, And before I read, let's pray. Triune God, as we come to Scripture, we ask that your word will be our rule your spirit, our teacher, and the glory of Christ, our single concern. In his name we pray, amen. So Matthew 6, starting at verse one, where Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their rewards. 
And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. In this section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has some very significant teaching for us on some important aspects of our walk with God. Giving, praying, fasting. And he's not so much teaching us that we need to do those things. He assumes we already know that these are good things to be doing, being generous with what we have, seeking to stay connected with God through prayer and being willing to forego some good things in our lives at times in order to reorient our lives more fully towards God and God's ways. So he's not teaching us here that we need to do those things. He's teaching us how to do those things. And he has one big message running all the way through, one big how to, or if you prefer, how not to. This applies to all of these, and I think to all of how we live our life with God and for God. And Jesus announces it right there in that very first verse. Beware of practising your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. The first example he gives of how not to do good things has given rise to a proverbial saying, even for people who have no idea that it's rooted in this passage of Scripture. Have you heard the phrase, blowing your own trumpet? Um, if you, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you may have come across it more if you watch quite a lot of British TV because I looked up this past week and apparently it's more of a British turn of phrase than an American one. But it's something along the lines of, oh look, here she goes, blowing her own trumpet again, or don't blow your own trumpet. Don't boast in other words, right? Don't be ostentatious about the good things that you are doing. In our text, people apparently literally did blow trumpets to make very sure that everyone knew that they were about to be very generous and give a whole load of money away. Don't do that, says Jesus. And when it comes to prayer, Jesus picks up on that very same theme. When you pray, don't do it in such a way that makes sure everybody is going to notice and admire you for how good and pious you are. Pray in secret, Jesus says. 
to your father who sees in secret. And then a third example of the same kind of thing. When you fast, don't make it obvious to everybody by how you look. No one else needs to know what you're doing, only your heavenly father. After three examples in a row, I guess we can say, okay, Jesus, we get it. But also, hang on a minute. Does all of this mean we are supposed to be totally secretive about our faith, to keep it quiet, to not do anything that might mean anyone else can tell that we are a Christian? I mean, praying over a meal in a restaurant, folks. Are we supposed to stop doing that? Is that the equivalent of what Jesus says when he says, standing on a street corner and praying to be noticed, very bad thing? Or with Lent not too far away? How about all of those Facebook posts about, you know, giving up Facebook for Lent or whatever? But much more importantly, what about the beautiful thing that we have seen and heard in worship this morning? Those folks whose testimonies we have seen, who've declared publicly that they love Jesus and they want to walk in His ways for the rest of their lives. Is Jesus saying to us in a text like this, "Uh, no, you don't need to do that. Shh, just keep it quiet between you and God. Well, no. Thanks be to God, that is not what Jesus is saying to us here. And we can be absolutely sure of that because of what Jesus said earlier in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter five. There Jesus says, we are a light to the world. People don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, says Jesus. They put it on a lampstand so that the light shines for the whole house. And in the same way, says Jesus, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Speak your faith, show your faith by your actions so that everyone can see and know that you love the Lord and you are seeking to follow Him, just like our confirmants have done this morning. And thank you to all of them for being a light to all of us. So that's all very well, but then what does Jesus mean in our text? What is he teaching us about how we are supposed to live before God? To help us to get at that, here is a question for you. Why do you do what you do? And then here's a second question that's pretty closely related to it. For whom do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? And for whom do you do it? Because that is what Jesus is driving at here in Matthew 6. He knows and we know that most of the time, most of what we do, we do with other people in mind to influence them, to think of us in a certain kind of way. So much of our lives ends up being performance for someone or other. And in that very first verse, the word that Jesus uses is the word we end up getting theatre from. So in effect, do not go around theatrising your good actions. So much of our lives is performance for others and Jesus knew it. There's someone we want to impress a teacher, a particular group of classmates, a potential boss when we're interviewing for a job, an actual boss when we're in a job, our colleagues, our clients, our customers, our friends, our Bible study group, the people who follow us on social media, the list can go on and on. We want to be noticed or liked 
or appreciated or respected. We want to have influence or authority and we are so terribly afraid of being disrespected or rejected. And so we curate our lives or how our lives appear to others to create an impression, to make sure that others see us and see us as we want to be seen. Look at me, see, I'm this kind of a person. And just as Jesus describes in our reading with his examples of how not to give and not to pray and not to fast, aspects of our faith lives get so easily sucked into this performance mentality. And I think that might be especially the case in the kind of culture that we live in here, where it is good, and let's be honest, it can be actually quite advantageous in so many ways to be seen as a dedicated church-going Christian. Why do we do what we do? And for whom are we doing it? Are you living your life? Are you even doing your good Christian things as much for the impression that it will make on other people as anything else? And that's why one of the repeated refrains running through our entire passage is this. Don't do things in order to be seen by others. Do not practice righteousness in order to be seen by others. Do not give in order to be praised by others. Do not pray or fast in order to be seen by others. All of those things, giving generously, praying, fasting, they are good and we should be doing them. And hey, it might well be that other people do notice when we are doing them. But doing these things in order to be seen by others is not good. Basically, if we find ourselves tempted to do our Christian things merely as public performance to make sure that people notice and think well of us, that is when Jesus is going to say to us, nope, get behind closed doors. And if we find ourselves doing our Christian things, at least partly in order to be seen by others, Jesus also tells us that we will get what we want. We will have our reward in other people's opinion of us. Congratulations for what that is worth, which is ultimately not a lot. It's very interesting that right after our passage in Matthew 6, Jesus turns to the question of where your treasure is. Because as Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And most obviously when Jesus says that, he's talking about not setting our hearts on material wealth, right? Rather, we are to lay up treasure for ourselves in heaven. We are to focus on living rightly before God. But I think as well as material treasure, this also ties in really well with our passage because what we treasure where our heart lies is not just in material things. If our treasure is lodged in how others see us, if our heart lies with other people's opinions of us, then just like Jesus is describing in our passage, everything we do, even the very best things that we do, will end up getting distorted because we'll be doing those things primarily to gain an earthly treasure of getting people to notice us and think about us as we want them to. And then, like Jesus says, we will have our reward. We might well earn the inevitably fickle and fleeting respect or esteem of those people we are trying to impress 
But just like thieves can break in and steal our money or our goods, so maybe people will admire us and like us for a while. Maybe we'll have some influence over some people for a time until we say or do something they don't like or until someone who's more interesting or impressive than us comes along. And then our treasure will go up in smoke. But if we do what we do for God, seeking simply to walk in his way, then for all that what we do might be hidden or it might not get the accolades that we were looking for, it will be lasting. It will be held as treasure by the only one whose opinion actually counts. Because at the very heart of what Jesus is getting at in our text is this, remember your true audience. And that is not any person or group of people we are trying so hard to influence or impress. Our true audience is an audience of one, and that one is God. And newsflash, folks, there is no point trying to fool or manipulate God by some carefully curated performance. God sees right through all of that. And the last thing that he wants from us is for us to do what we do to set out to impress him. We don't need to do that. We don't have to try to get God to notice us or try to earn our way to a positive hearing with God. We already have God's full attention and the fullness of God's redeeming love. And that's also why Jesus says we don't need to be fancy or long-winded when we pray. And then he goes on to teach his disciples what we now call the Lord's Prayer, which we said together earlier in worship. And Jesus is presenting the Lord's Prayer here um, as a kind of contrast to the ostentatious ways of praying that are more about attracting the attention of other people or trying to manipulate God than they are about the kind of relationship that God desires us to have with him. So, says Jesus, no public show with your prayers, no fancy words, just you and God together, keeping it simple, keeping it honest, keeping a right sense of both who God is and who we are before God and how we are to live for him. When I saw that the Lord's Prayer was was part of our our text for this morning, I was very tempted to just preach entirely on the Lord's Prayer, but I decided to go with the big picture teaching theme of Jesus in this passage. But if you do want to spend some time reflecting on, meditating on the Lord's Prayer, then I highly recommend this little book by a colleague of mine at Western Theological Seminary. It's by Wes Hill, Wesley Hill, simply called The Lord's Prayer, A Guide to Praying Our Father. So if you would like to dig a little deeper in a meditative reflective sort of way on the Lord's Prayer. Um, Definitely take, take a look at that. But in the meanwhile, whether it's giving or praying or fasting or anything else about our lives and our discipleship, what this part of Matthew 6 is boiling down to is this. Do what you do for your audience of one, the one who sees you and knows you and loves you completely. We are not who other people think us to be, so we do not need to spend so much time and energy frantically trying to get them to think of us in the way that we want them to think of us. Your true identity as a beloved child of God, your immeasurable value and worth in this life and in the life to come are secure 
in Christ. That is the promise of God to us in our baptism and the font is right there. And that is the promise that our confirmands this morning have claimed for themselves. And the more that we seek to live into this reality, the more that what we will do will reflect who we are in Christ. And that may impress other people or it may not. And that won't matter so much anymore because that will not be why we do what we do. And then without even realising it, you will be shining as a light to the world, a light that points not to yourself, like all of those examples Jesus gave of how not to give and not to pray and not to fast, not a light that points to yourself, but a light that points others to Christ. And the more that we live for our audience of one, the more our heart will be where our true treasure lies. And so the words that we are about to sing will ring true for us. Riches I heed not, nor vain empty praise, thou mine inheritance now and always, thou and thou only first in my heart, high King of heaven, my treasure thou art. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Thank you that as your beloved children in Christ, you set us free from the need to live our lives for anyone other than you. And Holy Spirit, pull us up short when we turn aside from that. Make us ask again why we do what we do and for whom, so that we may live more wholeheartedly for the one who loves us and has redeemed us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, in our response this morning, I invite you to stand and let's sing together, Be Thou My Vision.
go from here into our week. May we go and do all that we do for our audience of one in the full assurance of his redeeming love and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all evermore. Go in peace.